0: Hello and welcome to Art of Story. Today we're going to talk about the protagonist and antagonist. They really are the dynamic heart of story. The protagonist is the main character or the central figure in the story. An essential characteristic of the protagonist is their ability to change Almost without exception, the protagonist will go through some process of change or transformation. How and why this happens is shown in the story. It's very rare to have a protagonist, a central figure in any story, who doesn't go through some form of change or transformation. That's not to say that the change or transformation is always good. It's most often the case that change is positive and evolutionary. But it's not always the case. However, coming up with examples where a protagonist has not changed at all throughout an entire story in any direction, and where there's no transformation, it's not easy. It's certainly a rarer form of narrative, a rarer form of story. And there are reasons for that. Once an audience has identified with a protagonist, really a major part of the interest of the story is to see how that protagonist would deal with the different challenges that are set before them, which they encounter, and how that tests them, how that changes them, how they respond to those things. And the general character arc of a protagonist is that those challenges will force them, encourage them to develop, to change, to transform, to get past something that is holding them back. And therefore, as a result of that, they are able to meet the challenges that come their way, and in general sense, be successful protagonist within the story. That means that at the end of the story, basically, they have overcome whatever opposition has been put in their way, they have conquered the challenge, if you like. They have overcome the obstacles. Now, an important thing to say about this is what we're talking about here is the outer dynamic of a story, and that is the conflict between the protagonist and antagonist, which you can see, which unfolds through a series of events and encounters and drama Dramatic events central to the story. Now, an antagonist force can be a person, it can be an institution, it can be a thing, it can be a number of different things. But for the most part, what we're going to be looking at is the central drama conflict between a protagonist and an antagonist. Now, protagonist we're talking about is in the singular, but of course there can be more than one, and so you can have a group of protagonists. Particularly when you look at things like sitcom, rom-com, buddy movies, things like that, you certainly can have an ensemble cast, or certainly one, two, or three principal protagonists. It helps if you're writing in the long form to accommodate the stories of more than one principal character. So, for instance, that's one of the reasons why in the 90 minutes or so that you get in a film, you don't generally have a lot of protagonists. You have a limited number. One, two, possibly three. Because you only have 90 minutes to tell their stories. And as I said, a principal characteristic of a protagonist is that they are a dynamic character. In other words, they have the capacity to change, to develop, to transform. In order to successfully deliver on that for each protagonist, you have to have the time to go through the arc of each of their stories. So that's why it can take time. And if it takes time, if you've got 90 minutes, then you can see why, in a sense, the 90-minute time frame tends to push one more towards telling the story of a limited number of protagonists or one protagonist most often. Whereas if you're a television series or a novel and you have in a television series ten hours or more, then that gives you more time to have multiple story arcs involving more than one protagonist. Of course it's also true that gives more on time and space for antagonists also. What are the key points here? protagonist is a central focus of the story. When we talk about the story, it's basically their story. It is the protagonist's story. This is why an author normally spends some time at the beginning of the story setting up their protagonist. We see them in their ordinary world. We get to know them in their ordinary world. We take an example of Luke Skywalker in Star Wars We spend some time with Luke, on his farm, with his family, seeing the life that he is currently living, getting to know Luke as Luke in the current form, at the current stage of development, at the current station of his life, what it's like. Because it's from there that is the starting point of this character. And therefore, it also is the starting point in terms of of what they are changing from. Later on, challenges will come, transformation will have to occur in order to meet the ultimate challenges, and then there'll be a different Luke at the end of the story. But we can only know that it's a different Luke if we know Luke, the Luke at the beginning of the story. So that's why in novels and in films and story generally, there is an emphasis at the beginning in allowing the reader or the audience time to get to know the protagonist or protagonists as they are in their what's called ordinary world. So, just to reiterate, the principal function of the protagonist is to provide a focus for the story. The story will focus on the nature of the main character, their world, their situation, their challenges, their experiences... Their emotions and thoughts, for us, they become the central vehicle for our own experience of the story, because we have identified with them. And that is a really important job that an author or a screenwriter must do, is to get an audience to identify with the protagonist. Once an audience has identified with a protagonist, then they basically have got into the carriage of the roller coaster. They're sitting in the seat alongside the protagonist. They're strapped in. They're going to go for the ride. And it is a ride, right? Most stories are a ride. You go up, you go down, you go round, you spiral, you reach peaks, you go down and you reach pits, (laughs) sometimes actual caves or underground. So it is a ride, but you're only going to get an audience to get into that roller coaster and sit alongside the protagonist if they have that opportunity to identify with them at the beginning, to establish a relationship with the protagonist at the beginning. You can even call a percentage here of around 10-20% of time, whether it's an author or a film, where you're getting to know the person before what's classically called the call to adventure. And of course, in Star Wars, we know there is the call to adventure. Remember? The droid coming along and so on. And he at first, by the way, is a reluctant hero because he doesn't want to take on the central quest of the story. He wants to stay with his family and so on. His hand is forced, which is often a device in story where the reluctant hero is given a push heroes and heroines at the beginning. They're living their lives. They may be, get me out of here, out of my ordinary world. I'm destined for something greater. And when the opportunity comes along, jump at it. Or when they first receive that call to adventure, they refuse it. And then something happens to encourage them to start that quest to answer the call to adventure. The protagonist is that central vehicle for our own experience of the story. Once we have identified with them, everything that happens to them is, in a way, also happening to us. Remember we talked about power of empathy, our ability to be inside the head, the emotions, even the body of another person, and be able to experience, understand what they are going through. It's a very interesting mechanism because through that mechanism of empathy and bonding, if you like, being in touch with a protagonist, we are also having the experience to a certain degree. And to a certain degree, we're also going through the changes that they are, making our own assessments of how we would be, how we would respond. The test of the protagonist, subtly, is also a test of us. The necessity of the audience identifying with the protagonist is so important. Stories invest heavily in establishing that link. Of course, not every protagonist is appealing to us. There is always the factor of resonance, what resonates for you. We can change according to your mood, according to situation in your life, according to your own experiences. So it's perfectly possible that you start watching a film or you start reading a book and the protagonist doesn't quite do it for you. You don't really identify with them. You don't really want to get into the roller coaster ride with them. And in that case, it's just not going to work for you. You're probably not going to watch all the film, or you might endure it because the person next to you really is enjoying it. (laughs) But you're probably not going to finish the book, which is more of a singular pastime. Stories are about reflecting genuine human experience. They're about life and what we go through and the challenges we face and how we resolve them, how we meet them, and our character and the character of others. We want authenticity and realism. It doesn't matter what world we're set in. The world can be a fantasy world, a sci-fi world. It can be contemporary. It can be gritty. It can be a criminal world. The world is a thing in itself, the setting But what we do require of the protagonist, that central character, is a certain sense of authenticity and realism, and then we can really identify with them. We get into the ride, and the ride takes off, and off we go through the story. What we know is coming as an audience is that there's going to be a challenge coming the way of the protagonist. And generally speaking, that starts off with minor challenges, and they escalate. Not always. Maybe the first thing that they encounter is war, a major challenge and so on. But generally there's an escalation in the scale of the challenge that a, a central character will meet. It may be that they'll respond in a negative way or they might respond in a positive way. Remember this is early on in the story. We don't know how it's necessarily going to work out and we don't know necessarily how they will respond in each situation. That's quite important. If we feel we know exactly what's going to happen and how things are exactly going to resolve and we have an exact understanding of how they will change, then that certainly takes an edge off the story, right? Drama needs us to really be what we call on the edge of the seat. We want the story to be at a level at which we don't entirely know how it will work out. Of course, we have a feeling about it. Of course, we can make some educated guesses, because we've watched many stories. So we might have a feeling about it, but we don't want it to be entirely predictable. There is, therefore, the capacity for the protagonist to respond in both positive and negative ways, or even, ultimately, for there to be a failed protagonist, which is its own thing I could talk about it another time. Of course, a protagonist may be a sympathetic character. They can also be an unsympathetic character, or what you could call an anti-hero. The anti-hero character, a subject that can take up a whole podcast in itself and more, we will deal with that at another point. But just to say that, of course, a protagonist can be sympathetic or unsympathetic. Normally, they're not unsympathetic to the extent that they're outright pure bad. There needs to be redeeming characteristics about them, although they may not be essentially good, usually there's a little bit more complexity than that in order to make it interesting. Let's talk about the other really important half of the story in terms of its dynamism and the central challenge, which is the antagonist. The antagonist is the character, group of characters, institution, the thing that is in opposition to the protagonist and against which the protagonist must contend. Most stories create this central opposition, so that it has the energy, the mojo, in order to be dynamic. The simplest form of this is the hero and the villain, of course. In more mundane settings, the antagonist might be your boss at work, your parents, your wife, your husband, girlfriend, boyfriend, or even your teacher. Anybody in that sense can be an antagonist for you. It can also be an institution, the government is a popular one, or forces within the government, foreign forces, unseen forces, supernatural forces, alien forces, the forces of nature, forces from a higher plane, or a lower plane, the animal world, the insect world. In another podcast, we'll talk about the three worlds that we inhabit, and the fact that this is reflected in story. The three worlds being the higher world, our world, if you like Middle Earth, and the underworld or the lower world. So we'll talk about that in a separate podcast. One common feature of an antagonist is that they have some power over you. They can influence your experience or direction. They are important forces shaping your story or the story of the protagonist. That's why there's a lot at stake and emotions can run high and dramatic things can unfold. What the antagonist does is create an ordeal for the protagonist. They will challenge them in some way. It's almost fundamental in story that the basic structure requires this opposition or duality. It's the engine of the drama, the dynamic energy at the core of the story. It's through this challenge that the character of the protagonist or protagonists are tested. Let's talk a little more about that central dynamism between an antagonist and a protagonist. And the first thing I want to say about that is it is so important to have a good antagonist. Of course, we want to have a protagonist that we identified with, the main character that we have some at least empathy for, that interests us, engages us, that is authentic enough to feel real to us. That's all very important. But really, dramatically, also, the antagonist is really important. And having a good antagonist is essential. If I think of the stories that I really like, and the movies that I really like, I have to say that something of feature of many of them is that they have very good antagonists. The antagonist is interesting believable, authentic, complex, powerful, and offers a very interesting and meaningful and significant challenge for the protagonist. A good antagonist is something that is very essential for a story, to make it successful, compelling, and engaging. And I'm sure that You've had the experience of going to a movie or reading a book where there's what you could call an antagonist failure. The antagonist doesn't quite reach up to the mark of being compelling enough, interesting enough, complex enough, devious enough sometimes, or pose a great enough challenge for the protagonist. I'm going to play a couple of clips from... Movies that really have great antagonists in them. A great antagonist would be the Joker. And I'd like to show an example of uh, the more recent uh, Dark Knight, because there's a very good example in there of antagonist who poses a very real significant challenge to the main character, which is, of course, Batman.
1: Does it make you feel responsible for... Harvey Dent's current predicament. Where is he? What's the time? What difference does that make? Well, depending on the time, he may be in one spot or several. If we're going to play games, Mm -hmm. I'm going to need a cup of coffee. Ah, The good cop, bad cop routine? Not exactly. Never start with the head. The victim gets all fuzzy. He can't feel the neck. See? You wanted me. Here I am. I wanted to see what you'd do. And you didn't disappoint. You let five people die. Then you let Dent take your place. Even to a guy like me, that's cold. Where's Dent? Those mob fools want you gone so they can get back to the way things were. But I know the truth. There's no going back. You've changed things. Forever. Then why do you want to kill me? (laughs) I I don't want to kill you. What would I do without you? Go back to ripping off mob dealers? No, no. No. No, you. You complete. Me, you're garbage. You kills for money. Don't talk like one of them. You're not. Even if you'd like to be. To them, you're just a freak. Like me. They need you right now. But when they don't, they'll cast you out. Like a leper. See, their morals, their code. It's a bad joke. When you're dropped the first sign of trouble. They're only as good as the world allows them to be. I'll show you. When the chips are down, these, uh, these civilized people, they'll eat each other. See, I'm not a monster. I'm just ahead of the curve. Where's dude? You have all these rules, and you think they'll save you. <laughs> in control. I have one rule. Oh, then that's the rule you'll have to break to know the truth. Which is? The only sensible way to live in this world is without rules. And tonight you're going to break your one rule. I'm Mm -hmm. considering it. No, there's only minutes left. You're going to have to play my little game if you want to save one of them.
0: You're going to have to play my little game if you want to save one of them. So there's a lot in that scene. A lot that can be unpacked. But one of the most powerful aspects about it is how the antagonist, the Joker, is getting inside the head of Batman. And if you think about other antagonists who are able to do that, Hannibal Lecter would be one also. They have this understanding of the protagonist. They're able to get inside them in a way to disturb them, disrupt them to throw them into the confusion. It's not only a simple case of external challenges, threats, threat to life, a threat to people they love, high stakes in terms of the future of a society, or, and so on. It's about the antagonist's ability also to have real understanding and power over a protagonist. And that's really important quality of a good antagonist, is that they're not ever just a simple foil. They're not simply there just to provide, in a sense, an excuse for dramatic events. Just the straightforward threat of violence or taking the life of people or doing insane criminal acts, that's not particularly interesting. What is interesting is this. What an antagonist is able to do is essentially pull on a protagonist. They're able to pull on them, to have a real influence on them, and in a sense, tempt them or move them in a direction which is away, in simple terms, from good progressive to bad regressive. In other words, to tempt them into a direction that is their direction, their way of seeing things their world to be under their spell to be within their power more and more there's always a push and pull between a good antagonist protagonist pairing they're both pushing on pulling on each other in a very dynamic process one pulling one one way the other pulling the, the other one the other way it can go back and forth like that you can hear the joker arguing for that trying to shatter what he sees as the false idealism, the false consciousness, the false understanding of Batman as regards to how people regard him or will regard him. So he's challenging Batman on a fundamental level, psychologically. It's not just a physical challenge. It's just not a challenge of bombs and criminality. There's a far more interesting dynamic going on here. And I would say that that's what a great antagonist is able to do. Get inside the head, the emotions of the protagonist, have a real power over them, an influence on them that is genuinely believable and authentic. A great antagonist is never, never a simple and paper thin portrayal of evil or being bad or criminality. I don't think from an author's perspective or an audience perspective, that's particularly interesting to have a straightforward representation, a thin representation of evil or someone who commits terrible acts. What is interesting is the story of the antagonist as set against the story of the protagonist, and that there is a relationship between the two. It's not uncommon for, in a sense, the one to be a mirror image of the other, even to the extent that they possibly share similar experiences in the background. And Joker is hinting that, of course, that you're the same as me, really. Only you have a false idea about how people regard you. And believe me, when the chips are down, they will show their true selves and it's not going to be something that you will like. Now, the power in that is that there's some truth in it, okay? There'd be no power in it if there wasn't some truth in it. A good antagonist, in a way, does have truth value, does have perception value. They do understand things about human nature, about how society works, about the failings of humanity. If you dig up the story of many antagonists you will find that, of course, they have been failed by humanity themselves, by other people, by the way that they've been treated. So they are carrying a major shadow. But their answer to that shadow or that trauma, that history, is obviously a negative one. It's of revenge, it's of self-seeking, aggrandisement, power-seeking. It's not the path, classically, of the hero a hero's response to those same experiences is not that path. It is a path and it can be difficult and they can certainly fail along it, slip and, as I said, have the potential to go in a negative direction or a positive direction, but if it's classically the journey of the hero, whatever temptations the antagonist put their way, whatever power the antagonist has over them, no matter how they influence them, push them, test them, of course, ultimately, their character shines through, and generally speaking, what is that character about? It's about their willingness to sacrifice their own self-interests for the good of something other than themselves, greater than themselves, the good of others, the good of society, the good of the people that they love. That willingness to sacrifice is classical. It's there quite often in the story of a hero or a heroine. The ultimate test leads them to be willing to sacrifice their own life, their own future, to give that final, that giving act for others. That classically defines the hero or heroine's path. And that's the difference between them and an antagonist, because an antagonist, a person, if you like, on the dark side of the force, that's not the choice that they make. Their choice is to accumulate more power to themselves, more power and control over others. In a simple form, the dark, the antagonist, is about enslavement of others. It's about the power over others. It's about control over others. The path of the hero and heroine is about liberation. The liberation of others. The freedom of others. Breaking the bonds. Removing the shadow. Upliftment. Progression. Evolution. Hopefully of themselves as well. Certainly, if you take Lord of the Rings, then that would be true of... Frodo, the Fellowship of the Ring, and both the transformation of the world outside, inside, through the conquest of the antagonist, Sauron. Okay, so if you go back through that scene with the Joker, you'll see many of those elements at play. The Joker, as played by Heath Ledger, is rated as an extremely effective antagonist. So there's a lot to be gleaned from that. Let's go to Lord of the Rings, and see that how, right at the beginning, the focus of the story is to set up the ultimate antagonist.
2: The world is changed. I feel it in the water. I feel it in the earth. I smell it in the air. Much that once was is lost. For none now live who remember it. It began with the forging of the Great Rings. Three were given to the Elves Immortal, wisest, and fairest of all beings. Seven to the Dwarf Lords. Great miners and craftsmen of the mountain halls. And nine, nine rings were gifted to the race of men, who above all else, desire power. For within these rings was bound the strength and will to govern each race. But they were, all of them, deceived. For another ring was made. In the land of Mordor, in the fires of Mount Doom, the Dark Lord Sauron forged in secret a master ring to control all others. And into this ring he poured his cruelty, his malice, and his will to dominate all life. One ring to rule them all. One by one, the free lands of Middle-earth fell to the power of the ring.
0: Well, there we go. They fell, one by one, to the power of the ring. So the ring contains the will of Sauron. And Sauron, in Lord of the Rings, is the ultimate antagonist. The ultimate force of opposition to the people's of Middle-earth, and of course, the Fellowship of the Ring. And here we have the antagonist being set up right at the beginning. Within the structure of the story, that shadow of the antagonist is over the whole land and all its people. It's rising again and threatening them all. And of course, along with that is the emergence of dark forces. And those dark forces have the ability to sweep everything up, to consume you, to take you over. And that is represented, of course, in terms of the power of the ring. So the ring, therefore, symbolically stands for an essential power of an antagonist. If you are under the influence of the antagonist, essentially an antagonist will enslave you, bind you to themselves, and get you to do what they want you to do. You'll be under their influence, under their power. An antagonist isn't there to liberate you. They're not a liberating force. They're an enslaving force. The ring is a very good representation of that because, of course, we see when people wear it, they pick it up. It's gold. Why is it gold? Why is it a gold ring? What does that mean symbolically? Well, gold is of the earth, right? It's of the earth, the middle world, middle earth, and it is the most precious metal. Therefore, it represents the riches and the rewards of physical life. And that's very interesting, because that's the emphasis of the force of darkness, in a way, is that control over the physical plane of middle earth, all its peoples, all its wealth, all that it can have to offer, under the will and dominance of one antagonist, Sauron. The Ring represents symbolically a lot of key aspects of a antagonist. Of course, if you talk about Darth Vader, then that's also a force of darkness. That's also about dominance, enslavement, crushing rebellion, freedom of expression, freedom of choice to live your life, develop as you wish. You're under the rule and control of the Empire, and the Empire is under the rule and control of the principal antagonist, the Sith Lords, personified, of course, in Darth Vader. The important feature of an antagonist is that they are a very powerful form of opposition. Now, if we move away from these classic mythological films superhero films, fantasy film, to contemporary setting, you'll still find these things at work. You'll still find them at work, but of course, they're more subtle and more complex. But nonetheless, the essential points about protagonist and antagonist pairing, the opposition between them, the dynamism of that opposition is still true. It is therefore the power of the antagonist that is the ultimate challenge to the main character. They will be tested by the antagonist in whatever form it comes, individual, institution, supernatural force, aliens. They can come in many forms. I would like to go to the example of the Matrix. There's a scene in there with Agent Smith. And think about That scene, and the Joker's scene.
3: Have you ever stood and stared at it? Marveled at its beauty, its genius? Billions of people just living out their lives. Oblivious. Did you know that the first Matrix was designed to be a perfect human world where none suffered, where everyone would be happy. It was a disaster. No one would accept the program. Entire crops were lost. Some believed that we lacked the programming language to describe your perfect world, but I believe that as a species, human beings define their reality through misery and suffering. This perfect world was a dream that your primitive cerebrum kept trying to wake up from. Which is why the Matrix was redesigned to this. The peak of your civilization. And I say your civilization because as soon as we started thinking for you, it really became our civilization, which is, of course, what this is all about. Evolution. Morpheus, evolution, like the dinosaur, look out that window, you had your time, the future is our world, Morpheus, the future is our time.
0: The future is our world, the future is our time humanity went extinct. Except for now we're using you as batteries to make that work, we created the matrix. And the matrix, of course, is a form of enslavement. So here again, we see that the antagonist force is about control. It's about enslavement. We also see from Agent Smith, an understanding of the realities of what it is to be human and different aspects of human nature, and of course, focusing in on our own self-delusion, on our own failings, and our limitations, on the fact that we couldn't exist in a perfect world, that we needed the conflict in a sense, we needed the dynamism of light and dark, and the struggle that is at the core of life, if you like, in order to believe in the matrix. So a statement there of an essential reality of human nature that they had to construct a world with that conflict in it, with that struggle in it, with suffering in it, in order for it to be acceptable to the human being. So there again, we're not talking about superficial antagonist forces. We're talking about deep themes here, about what it means to be human and about human nature and our own self-delusion from which we are trying to wake up, which, of course, is a big theme within The Matrix. It's really interesting. There's a lot to be said about that. But for now, I just wanted to show you a parallel between the Joker, the Joker antagonist, and Agent Smith. So what to say in summary? The job of a, a writer, therefore is to create this central dynamic pair. Of course, it can be more than one protagonist, it can be more than one antagonist. Usually there's lower levels, lower tiers, and then higher tiers, and then an ultimate antagonist force. It's actually structurally similar to a structure a lot of games use. You use the phrase level boss as regards to a game. So you you go into this level and then boom, end of that level, there's something that you have to conquer, something you have to do, a puzzle to solve, something to encounter, something to understand, a revelation to receive, knowledge, special knowledge, special ability. If you actually look at that game structure, you'll find that there's a lot of similarity with structures within story. On the antagonist and challenge side, there's that gradual escalation. Okay, so you you managed to get through that particular dungeon, but now You have to go to this mountain and encounter this mythological beast, and if you do that and you're successful, then you'll get this, and so on, and you go on on the quest. Structurally, that's very similar to what happens. Even in the most contemporary literature, you will find similar structure. And, of course, you'll find the similar escalation in terms of the power of the antagonist, the antagonist forced, the challenge that the protagonist is facing. That is the focus of this particular podcast, to explore and look into that central dynamic of protagonist-antagonist. Both sides of the story are important. It is essential that your antagonist has that very important quality of being not just a straightforward foil. They are a developed character in that sense. The author has given that attention to the antagonist side of the equation. It's very important. Because of the way that they mirror each other, that it is the antagonist force, the challenge force, that is really testing and forcing the protagonist to reach into themselves, to resolve things within themselves, to understand, to develop, to gain new potential, new insight, revelation. Uh, it could be physical development. We'll dedicate a whole program to transformation and go through all of that. Of course, you also have the influence of others. You also have the classic role of a mentor, an ally. Again, subject we will come back to. All right. Well, I hope you enjoyed that. That's the podcast for today. Protagonist, antagonist. Enjoy.